your source for Big Ten Talk. It's off tackle, Empire! Welcome to Off Tackle Empire, your only football sports media experience that is not brought to you by Disney Plus at the moment. Um, I guess we don't know for sure, but still. Yeah, by the time this episode airs, that very well may not be the case. This brought to you, of course, by The Mandalorian. It would it's a fantastic show, by the way. If you haven't, if you haven't fallen into the Disney Plus uh, sand pit just yet. Go ahead and surrender to it. It's probably, in my opinion, the best Star Wars production since Return of the Jedi. Yeah, but what I want to know is, will I get Big Ten game film from the Dark Ages? Will I get my 1978 Illinois Northwestern? Is that part of the vast library of wonderful content now streaming directly to you on Disney Plus? This post in no way sponsored by Disney Plus. Yeah, we're going to be getting a cease and desist or probably by like a ninja repelling in through the window any second now. Uh, Wait, you're once again <laughs> no, on I mean, Off Tackle Empire, our Big Ten football podcast <laughs> with <laughs> yeah. Steve Braun, a.k.a. Thumpasaurus, here with Andrew Krzyzewski and the inimitable R2 at Dog. Yeah, very excited to see you, by the way. He never greets me like that. Uh, when you showed up, he made out with you for a solid 10 seconds. I think he likes the feel of your beard, though. Uh, maybe... I, I'm trying to remember if I've... I've definitely had facial hair at some point while owning him. But I don't remember him having quite that level of enthusiasm as he does for you. Lovey Smith beard stroke finger gun dot <laughs> Pretty much, man. So, week 12 theme. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. We, of course, in the Midwest do, in fact, know that Eminem was not saying, oh, he was saying, oh. Oh. Oh, it was gonna, absolutely an ope. Just going to slide past you here and grab mom's spaghetti. Because yeah. we had a few people kind of get uh, dragged out of some, some, some wistful slumbers this week. But if you look below the who's in level of college football, it's fascinating. And the Big Ten might be deeper than expected outside of Ohio State. Which brings me to our win fight try Brewster of the week. As logic dictates. The needs of the bread outweigh the needs of the few, which I picked up in Milwaukee at Mobcraft Brewery um, by recommendation of our own Emin Wildcat. Thank you very much. And that's needs, of course, spelled in the baking term. So, yep. Look at all these flavors forming a kaleidoscope of transitive winds. You can't even see through this beer as it as it pours because nothing about this season is clear. Outside of that, Ohio State is good. Gonna have to stop your right there, Thump. Actually, giving up 21 points to Rutgers means that Ohio State is, by definition, trash. Should fire their defensive staff. Uh, and probably probably have a few Tom Crean conversations with some of these defensive players. Uh, you know, without without Chase Young, 231 total yards. Just Absolute a, explosion. Just a dumpster fire. 21 points. Recording only one sack on the elusive Johnny Langan. Um, I mean, I don't even know what you do after the, you know, the, they thought Greg Schiano was the problem. I bet they'd kill to have him back right now. Um, 
And so much for J.K. Dobbins. They only ran for 217 yards as a team. Dobbins had 89 on 17 carries. <laughs> Guess yeah. that must be why Fields just put up hilarious per attempt numbers. Yeah, Couldn't I mean, be bothered to run. Look, this this weekend was the first time in many years that I haven't made a point to watch the entirety of the Michigan-Michigan State game. So I was surfing around between a few of the Nooners. And this, of course, was after that was over. I'm still kind of sulking around, not really wanting to pay attention, but I'm like, why, why don't I put this on for a minute and watching Rutgers flail around might make me feel a little better. By the time I, I meant to watch from the start of the game, I put it on and there were like 11 minutes and change left in the first quarter and it was already 14 nothing. I was like, how that, wait, How did they even get the ball back that fast that twice? Like, did Rutgers turn over the opening kickoff and then throw an interception on their second drive? Like, how did this even happen? It was remarkable. How fast Ohio State was up fourteen nothing, and from there, like from there, it was fifty five minutes of foregone conclusion. And can we get this over with without hurting anybody? That's how Rutgers puts twenty one points on the board. Now that being said, if you don't think Rutgers could take this positive indication, which again, positive indication is relative, right? If you don't think they can take this and turn it into a win over Michigan State next week, you, my friend, are sorely mistaken. That is entirely in play now. Michigan State could lose that status of being the last team to not lose to Rutgers in football or men's basketball next week in Piscataway. That could happen. (laughs) uh, I'm rooting for Michigan State because I want somebody to beat that amazing losing streak of 20 Big Ten losses that Illinois had uh, right started, started my senior year. Um, Rutgers, I think, is are they at nineteen now, or did they break it? I'm not counting. You're counting. <laughs> well, I, of course you're counting. You of want somebody I'm to ta- you want somebody to take that particular crown of used diapers away from your program. But no, I um, <laughs> we got to see Ohio State yeah. victory cigar quarterback Chris Chuganov throw fourteen times. I'm just gonna. I don't know. You gotta be delighted when Chugs. I'm gonna call him Chugs. He yeah, gets I'll, in the game. Oh, I'll allow it. Is the there- Chugs machine? Is there any way in his post-football life that he doesn't become the spokesman slash owner of a company of, like, bottom-shelf vodka? Like, is there <laughs> any way that's not his ultimate destiny? I mean, Chuganov vodka sounds like like a, like a, like a joke on, on, you know, plastic handle-type vodka. It's, no, it's, yeah, it's like the... It's the prop terrible vodka in, like, a, mo- in like a movie about college. Like, yeah. that's what it is. So, uh... Again, what what else do you want us to say about this game, which is something we've said about Rutgers with regularity this season. And it's also something that we've said about Ohio State with regularity this season. Yeah, it, in a way, and that's that's kind of the, the easiest teams to describe are always the ones at the top and the bottom. It's the ones in the middle where you have conflicting data points. And, you know, this. Uh, did you see, by the way, that with this week's results, the Big 12 completed its perfect circle of trash? <laughs> I did not. Yeah, the Big so Twelve is pretty rootin' tootin'. You can put together a link for you know, for those of for those casuals of you who don't know what we mean by that. Every if you do a big circle, every team in the Big Twelve has lost to you know. You can go all the way around. One team lost to Team B. Team B loses to C. All the way around until the last team lost to the first team. So it's just one big. It's. You can get a transitive loss to yourself, in other words. Yep. Uh, Circle of trash, of course, also being a, a thing I do every now and then on the infographics thing. And I'm just wondering, like, imagine the type of off-tackle empire consumer that consumes our podcast but has never seen my infographics post. This is a strange world and there are strange people living in it. So, Of course, not that I did possible. it last week. 
but whatever. I oh, take well, plays man. off every now and then. I'm Randy Moss. I'll admit it. <laughs> but, well, right. And in the same way that when you're on, boy, it's damn near impossible to stop, isn't it? So moving on from the Ohio State Rutgers game with nothing further to say. Well, one more thing to say, actually. I don't care that I lost five bucks. It was worth it to be able to say I bet on Ohio State to cover a 53-point spread in a conference game. Well, see, the problem there, then, is you win. Although... I mean, even like the earliest, I think the lowest line I saw was like 50 and a half. Yeah, so they said still... like you never would have, there was no line you could get this week where they were going to cover. But yeah, if you want to call it a letdown game, that's what you get for betting on Ohio State Rutgers, honestly. <laughs> I know. And especially if you meant it. Um, <laughs> you know, we, we need to get, however, to the game of the week. Um, numbass. Northwestern, UMass. We marveled last week at a 40 point spread. <laughs> What did the differential end up being here? 39. <laughs> 39. Vegas Although, knows. It took a while to in. get there because I uh, saw my update on Twitter Yeah, fairly early in that game. Well, not even that early, but it was like halfway through the first, the first quarter. UMass 3, Northwestern 0. <laughs> UMass 3, Northwestern 0. But I don't know what they were trying to prove by throwing it in the first quarter like that. Two picks thrown by Aiden Smith finally convinced them to quit digging around and run the ball. It did, and it also, <laughs> I think Fitzgerald finally kind of, I mean, he didn't address a player by name, but he even copped to it afterwards. He's like, the level, I'm paraphrasing, but the play out of our quarterback room is not what we need or something like that. <laughs> Just like, yes, yeah, of, every quarterback like, that was in the quarterback room. The quarterbacks need to room. be better. <laughs> yes, out of the one-person quarterback room. <laughs> right, because... I, <laughs> because there isn't any play coming out of the other parts of that room, which are hurt, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, Johnson's status exactly is unclear. He did have an injury a couple of weeks ago. Against Indiana. Who really knows if he would be able to play through that? I guess if you're Northwestern at this point, why do you play him? Maybe you're hoping for a medical red shirt. I don't know exactly how many games he's appeared in or whatever. Uh, but, you know, the perspective there, of course, is if a guy's really as good as everyone says he is, aren't you expecting him to go pro early and don't you want to spend him as much as you can while you have him? I don't know. Um, well, yeah, I mean, because if he were to go pro, if he were a pro prospect right now, he could leave. Right. I think he's a redshirt sophomore yep. by class. So, <laughs> I, yeah, I don't know if the idea is to get another year of him and keep him around until he's 25 or... What the plan is there? Maybe he really is the just Tracy too hurt to Abrams play. Or, plan. Yeah, it, we're probably just overthinking this, and he is actually too hurt to play. Yeah, because otherwise, I have to think they would be pretty frantic for. But oh, hang on, we might get we might get a featured guest spot song on the podcast. Is he going to do it? No, he's not impressed by that siren. Archer's a big fan of singing along the sirens. I live about half a mile away from one of the biggest hospitals in Michigan. And there's also a fire station across the street from the hospital, so uh, he gives us some uh, lovely crooning from time to time. Doesn't sound like he's going to break out the pipes tonight, though, are you, buddy? So UMass didn't find the end zone, but they gained 310 yards to Northwestern's 410. I mean, it was a lot of big passing plays. Yeah, to the extent that UMass has any life at all, it is on the offensive side of the ball. Head coach Walt Bell is a... An offensive coordinator whose name we know at least. He was he had a stint at Maryland not too long. Was it just last year or was it the year before he was there? I thought, I thought he was also at Florida State. No, it had to be the year before because last year was Matt Canada. I don't think he was the yeah. coordinator there. Regardless, Walt Bell's a name we know and he's an offensive guy. So to the extent they've had any fight in them, you know, when they 
got into a little bit of a game with Rutgers. It was because their offense was putting up some numbers early on. Win number two in mid-November. Certainly not what Northwestern expected. Is there, I mean, is this any solace at all? It, am no. I th- yeah, well, no. And there's... <laughs> Congratulations. Again, you beat UMass. You're literally Rutgers. Uh, yeah, in the record column, not far off. It really is kind of an injustice that we don't play a true round robin in the Big Ten because we were deprived of Ruaz, of Ru. Runu. 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 Or we knew Rune. Which sounds better. Rune. 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 Uh boy. No penalties for the Nerdcats. I don't know. Yay. Gotta take those small victories where you can. Speaking <laughs> of which, uh, I'm talking this guy. Yeah. Might need it to get through this one right here. Uh, I don't think so. Michigan 44, Michigan State 10. I'll tell you what this game was. This game uh, is having a terminal rel- terminally ill relative. And for whatever reason, the decision on whether to pull the plug or not is something that the whole family has to collaborate on. Like, you have to get everybody to agree on it. And this game was like the the major health event that by itself would have been a serious sign that things are not going well, but accustomed combined with everything like you, they've been in the hospital for like months on end now. And then you get like a stroke or a heart attack, like a big medical event where it's like, I can't believe that didn't end it right here. But like, this clearly can't continue much longer. Right? Like that's what this is. Yeah. That's what this way. Do I, does it feel like I've gone to a little bit of a dark place? It's a pretty dark uh, place. You've well, like, it, and like, this is the end of a relative you actually like, like not, not one of the aunts or uncles was like, I'll go to the funeral. Uh, but one of the relatives you actually like. Is this getting too dark? Is this too much? It's, it's pretty dark, especially because I'm, I'm, I'm about to, 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 to put it into terms that are like, Yet, for as much as you love this person, their con- the, the, the the stress of their continued existence is beginning it's, to put yeah. an undue strain on your family. Sure. And they have no control or agency in it. Right. So, <laughs> four years after appearing in the playoff, not even four, not even four full years... Michigan State was able to keep a pace with Michigan for one quarter. Exactly one quarter. The defense got a couple stops early on. The offense had a couple nice drives, even put one in the end zone. But from there, the difference in where these two programs are right now became very apparent very quickly. I tuned out after the first drive of the second half because I knew where this game was going, and I didn't want to see it. Why would I watch that? Again, to go back to the wholly depressing analogy we came up with why would you want to watch that it would be like hanging out in the hospital room 12 hours a day with a loved one who is on life support there was no pleasure in this game the only thing i would say well especially hmm. one that doesn't even know you're there sure because Because they don't know you're watching (laughs) they don't know you turned the game off right um i guess there's a couple things i would say here first of all anytime any michigan fan or player, or former player, or coach, tries to tell you they don't care about Michigan State, tune them back to the Twitter feed from this day. They care. They care 
every bit as much as they do about beating Ohio State, and you can't convince me otherwise. Actually, I think they care more about this game than they care about beating Ohio State. Because, because they know they have a chance of winning it. Yeah, yeah, they talk in very defeatist terms about Ohio State these days. Yeah, which, again, wise. It's fair, <laughs> lower lower but... your emotional stakes. I certainly did before this game. I spent most of the last month being like, why am I even... I've, it's been a long time since I cared less about this game. Even in 2016, because I was like, you know... Who knows? We still have some weird kind of explosive players. Maybe this will go our way. In this game, no. At, like pretty much across the board, like the only position, the only position group where I think these two teams were close is probably the defensive line, and even that has really underperformed for Michigan State this year. I mean, it's been a uniform disappointment across the board. But is there any position on the field other than punter where I would take Michigan State's best over Michigan's best right now? No. And so this game is, this outcome is not a surprise. It's disappointing. I mean, no, disappointing is not the right word because that implies that I expected something different. It's a bummer, but not a bummer that's going to ruin my day, ruin my week the way that losing to Michigan used to. Uh, it's, it's hard to care. So the, the only question about this really is, did this game convince the one person who needs to be convinced for this to end? And that's D'Antonio himself. Did this game convince him that it's time to hang it up? It's time to ride off into the sunset? I, I would hope that he can... can if, if it's about the $4 million bucks he gets in January if he stays, the school should probably just pay him that. Yeah, um, just, just, do a, just do kind of like a settled buyout retirement thing. Yeah, and they can do... I mean, I'm fairly sure his contract is one of those, you know mascot X for life deals where he's, he retains some role in the athletic department. Although if that, role, if that role has anything to do with him p- helping pick the next coach, then can him and get rid of that part of it too. Cause I don't need him recommending one of his lame brain assistants for this head coach. I don't need to see th- three or four years of Mike Trussell, Michigan state head coach after the way his defenses have played the last two years. Um, and, you know, forget about anybody on the offensive side of the ball. So, that's the only question now, and that's, I mean, <laughs> do I care if Michigan State wins its last two games against teams I still think are sub- are substantially inferior to make some crappy bowl that 4,000 people will go to? No, I don't really care because the part of the year where Michigan State's bowl would happen, I'm going to be in Florida not watching any football, so <laughs> if they want to make the quick lane bowl or go back, to, or hey, let's play back the red box, that was fun. Uh, <laughs> I'm not likely to be watching so make it or don't I don't care the only thing that matters at this point is does D'Antonio decide to hang it up or do we spend another year in hospice that's what this is at this point I mean when you consider how much this game has meant to him this specific game beating Michigan it had to tear his guts out especially to come out and perform that lifelessly well and to, I mean and to know that it's not like it's not like this 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 some um, the result of some freak outcome, right? It's not like Michigan played an A plus game, although they probably played at least a B plus A minus game. It's not like Michigan played out of their skulls and MSU just had the worst day ever. Like I don't know how much better MSU really could have played in this game. Their defense has not has first of all. Since, since basically the end of September has not been what it was supposed to be this season. But they held up well against the run. Neither team could run. The difference is Michigan could throw and Michigan State couldn't. And spoiler alert, 
every game that has gone poorly for Michigan State this this year or for the last several years is because the other team realizes, why don't we just throw the ball instead of wasting downs running? This is, it's almost like other people psych themselves out and think the no-fly zone is still around. It's been a long time since they're that good. I mean, honestly, even 2014, when they still had a couple of those guys there, they they weren't that good then. Ohio State lit them up deep. Well, that, yeah. That I mean, well, I mean, of course granted, they would, but they wouldn't. <laughs> but nobody did that in 2013. Is my point. No, but I, I would point out that that's an Ohio State team that, that won the national. JT title. Barrett, Zeke Elliott, Michael Thomas. Like you know, they had some damn good players. But um, yeah, they also got lit up by Oregon. Yeah, the 14 defense was nowhere near as good, but the offense was so good that they covered up for it most of the time. So we've gotten a little far afield here. But yeah, the point is, this team in no way resembles. 13, 14, 15. It doesn't really even resemble 2010 or 11 or 2012, which, as disappointing as it was, there was still obviously something in place there that gave you cause for optimism. I mean, this team is so far from being even where D'Antonio wanted it to be. If you can, if his career ends at the end of this season, by his own criteria, you could argue his tenure here was a failure. Because his goal was to establish a program like Iowa or Wisconsin. He hasn't done that. He flew higher than they ever did, but he did not establish a floor in a similar place to either of those two programs. And I'm pretty sure they never actually won eight games in a season with him here, which is pretty much, I mean, without actually putting a number on it, that had to be his goal was... Eight wins most season. Every few years, you have a special season and breakthrough. Because what we're at right now is what I would refer to as Glenn Mason steady state conditions. No, not even that. Dude, they're not even there. I haven't checked exactly where their recruiting class this year is relative to the rest of the conference, but it ain't good. It's all three stars. Uh, they can't be more better than seventh or eighth. Well, yeah, that's because dudes like P.J. Fleck are the guys taking all the recruits out of Illinois now. You know, there was that. Honestly, I think their trip into Illinois was kind of a one-time thing because they don't really get that many. They haven't really gotten that many guys out of there since. But, um, yeah. It, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I said, long-term, what is the plan here? Like, is he just going to – are they going to give him another year in which he fires all of his assistants? What? <laughs> what He's not going to do that. It, well, yeah, and even if he did, what assistant worth having is going to come and work for coach in this position in year 14 – where you've got less talent to work with since they had, since probably the first year of his tenure, you've got unbelievable pressure from a fan base that, at this point, I, like I said, I really don't think there's anybody who thinks this is going to work. There's just some people who phrase it in terms of, well, he's earned the right to go out on his own terms no matter what, which is stupid, but there are people who think that. Um, but yeah, I mean, your, your first question posed here was, we done here. I was done here after Wisconsin. Nothing has changed. The question and the only question is, does D'Antonio think he's done here? Well, when shit gets off the rails for D'Antonio teams, I mean, it really, really falls apart. I mean, yeah. like, because yeah, ob- it's out. obvious that the 2016 team wasn't as bad as that record. It's just like, it, it almost seems like these days his teams just have no resilience. Which is a disconcerting change of affairs. Is it, is five, but, you know, was honestly, it, is it four in a row now? Five in a row they lost? Overall? Um, yeah, five. Because they were four and one going into um, into Ohio State. So, <laughs> uh, 
lost my train of thought. And just like last last year, late last year, they couldn't get up off the mat either. Their offense oh, resi- suffered so, badly. So resilience. So, I don't know if it's necessarily anything in the inherent character of a team is that they don't have depth anymore. They don't have anybody beyond the frontline players because they haven't recruited the last few classes. Because after the 2016 class and how disastrously it went, they basically cashed out on going after higher talent players because they thought that it brought too many problems. And that's they're not actually good enough at identifying and developing players. Like They compare themselves to Iowa because that's what they want to be. They've never been that. They can't just grow offensive linemen out of two-star tight ends. They can't keep anybody healthy. I mean, they, they that defensive line. How many upperclassmen you got on there? All the starters. Um, oh, are, they, are they seniors? Three of them. So um, that's by far the best position group Michigan State has. This is this is. Oh, they're going gonna to be. Get worse. They're going to be so much worse next year, regardless of who the coach is. Yikes. We so Bocce obviously has gone for the season. You're already seeing the effects of him not being there, but. Uh, elsewhere, David Dowell, they're probably their best safety, is gone after this year, although he's been disappointing this year. I think everyone expects Josiah Scott, their only good corner, to go pro as well. Josh Butler, their other starting corner, is a senior. On the defensive line, Willikus, Williams, and Panasuk, the elder, are all seniors. And, they, I mean, Antoine Simmons could decide to go pro. He's crazy athletic. The NFL would draft him. He doesn't have a ton of production in college, but he looks the part of an NFL linebacker. He could decide to go pro. So so in every possible respect, outside of the fact that there isn't yet an experienced administrator at the top, th- this is a crossroads. In every respect, this is an opportunity to Yeah, because it, start. based on what they're going to have next year, if there's a new coach the expectations should be minimal. Like, yeah. making a bowl game next year would be a huge coup. That's going to be true if Antonio comes back, by the way. Six wins or so next year is going to be a ceiling for this team. Well, let's talk about the one good thing that happened. Jake Hartbarger joined the 10,000-yard club. Hell yeah, Jake Bar- Hartbarger receding hairline punt god. Yeah, this was something that we talked up in one of our podcast at some point at the beginning of the year beginning of the year yeah Jake Hartbarger was about 2200 yards from joining the 10,000 yard club and with two games to go shit man shit man with with an appropriately hideous bowl game he'd get 11 grand (laughs) that's not yeah he absolutely could Uh, (laughs) yeah you know you gotta you gotta find the pleasure in the little things like um, Quinn Nordeen. Oh, whatever, man. I don't care. It, that look, guy's a piece of garbage. Sure, but, you know, turnabout is completely fair play. I yeah. I can't begrudge Michigan fans, coaches, anybody, their uh, grave dancing at this point because God mm-hmm. knows we were guilty of it. Um, but, yeah, like I said earlier, the only thing I would say is don't ever pretend that you don't care about this game again because <laughs> you know, the shit will be oozing out of your eyes and we'll see it. So. Let's put this on the other perspective, though. I did see something from Harbaugh today about, about uh, some quote that he had about how, like, oh, you know, you you got to plant things to grow and, you know, make a salad or something like that. I don't know. But he was, essentially what he was saying was that, like, oh, you know, yeah, we're finally reaping some fruits here. Like, no, what? You're going to finish third in the division again. You were functionally <laughs> eliminated by Penn State beating Indiana because now they have to lose to Rutgers for you to... <laughs> Wait a minute. No, no, they... 
Yeah, yeah, they have to lose for to Rutgers for for Michigan to win the Big Ten East. So because they would need, they need Penn State to beat Ohio State, and then they need to beat Ohio State. But Penn State would need two losses. So you have to have Penn State lose to Rutgers. Well, but wait. I don't wait a minute. No, no, no that wouldn't. Can't. No, never mind. Because Penn State's never got mind. the head-to-head. Penn State does have the head-to-head. You're right. There's That's no, what I was thinking. No, Michigan's, so now they're, they're, Michigan's eliminated. Yeah. So, yeah, Michigan, by through through no immediate action of their own, but through losing to Wisconsin and Penn State, they're out now. So not really sure what, what, what you're reaping here in year five. Well, look, there's a... <laughs> You're telling me that if uh, if ten win Michigan is there for the Rose Bowl, they're not going to take them. They could go to the Rose Bowl. That wouldn't be a terrible consolation prize. It's not what the Rose Bowl actually used to be, but it's about the. I mean, it would be by far the biggest accomplishment of the Harbaugh era so far. It would be an Ursatz Rose Bowl because uh, Minnesota and yeah, that's what this Ohio would involve State. like Minnesota being taken by a higher ranked bowl and maybe elsewhere, Penn State. But. Yeah, and maybe Wisconsin. Yeah, there's a lot of teams. There's a look. Um, there's that a, on merits you take over Michigan. There's a well, right, but that's not what matters, and you know. Yeah. <laughs> so speaking of not what matters, um, we're gonna serve you up some ads because ultimately we don't matter without them anymore. I don't know. Baby's got to eat. All right, so now that we're back from this ad break, we want to talk about some games that didn't suck quite as much. Wisconsin, 37, Nebraska, 21. You know for a second there. <laughs> sure. But for a second there, it sure looks... Sure, but every time we've gotten in one of these situations this year, with the exception of the Northwestern game, what does Nebraska immediately do? <laughs> Turn the ball over and stop scoring. They staple their hand to the paper. Uh, they, you know, <laughs> so, um, basically, they immediately... Wisconsin scored to go up three. Nebraska threw a pick, and by the time Nebraska started moving the ball again, it was thirty-four to fourteen. Yeah, and that's it's it's always been at the worst possible. Like most teams, it's unusual for college teams to have clean slates and turnovers because that's the hallmark of college football is it's a bunch of kids making lots of mistakes. You can't make the mistakes at the times Nebraska makes them. They they have such bad timing, and. You know, it, it's a little bit funny how Scott Frost's tenor has changed recently. But that's what else is he going to do? I mean, if he keeps up with the bravado and the, oh, we need to play Indiana more because they suck and we need, we need more easy wins, um, that, that's not sustainable with what the expectations were versus the reality. So, Well, I mean, at this point, he's got to be just like, it seems to me that he's kind of, Doing or what I would probably do in this situation, which is just retreat into a shell to try and minimize the amount you get made fun of online. I suppose. I mean, he's young <laughs> enough that one. He's young enough that one presumes he is Twitter active. But the way that this schedule plays out, I mean, first of all, is it is it guaranteed that Nebraska beats Maryland next week? Yes, yes, it is. Um, <laughs> I disagree. You do? Okay. I do. All right. Well, we'll talk. We'll get into that a little bit more in the preview shortly. But even if they do. <laughs> They gotta beat Iowa on Black Friday. Now, yeah. would it not be very like them to do so? Sure, it would, but we haven't seen. But we've been waiting for that moment, and it hasn't come. No, and this contrary to last year, it's not like they've been on an uptick here. I mean, they're riding a four-game skid. I would be curious. You know what? It would be an interesting thought exercise. Who's in the more miserable position, Nebraska or Michigan State? There's an argument that it's Nebraska because. 
Michigan State, we've already we had our fun with Antonio. We knew it was going to come to an end sooner or later. I perhaps hoped it would not end in such a spectacular flameout, but at least now we know the end has arrived. Scott Frost, however, is uh, the program savior, and did so far he just sign an extension. Yeah, but you know, all right. So I don't make anything about that because you have to extend coaches regularly for recruiting purposes. They went a little bit past what they had to and did it a little bit earlier. Yeah. But get, look, I think that's also I think that's the only move the athletic department has because there's enough bad vibes about this program out there that you have to give some public indication of support. I mean, it's one thing for the athletic department or you know the athletic director to give the standard oh we're behind our coach 100 percent thing. Yeah, but that's a kiss of death. Yeah, write the check. Write the check, and that's what yeah. that's what people respond. Of course, to. I'm sure that they were that they were hoping that Nebraska would give them a win that they could do that off of. Yeah, you know, and I'm <laughs> again assuming that his that Frost's comments at all reflect the attitude of the general athletic department. I'm sure in that stretch of home Indiana at Purdue, they probably thought there was going to be a win in there. <laughs> uh, you know, if they don't, if they don't beat Maryland. They're gonna end the game on a six or end the season on a six game skid. Having said, they did honestly they played a pretty good game against Wisconsin. They moved the ball. Yeah. This game was pretty close to being a shootout, but every single pivotal moment of the game, Nebraska failed to make the play. You can't waste possessions against Wisconsin because they control the clock and they yeah. limit the amount of possessions that you have. So after they threw that pick, their next three drives were fifteen yards and a punt, a four second end of half, and then a missed field goal to start the second half. And then, like you said, then you're down three scores. Because Wisconsin yeah. doesn't have a whole lot of empty drives. Yep. Now, so. fourth and four from the Wisconsin 17, with 14 whole minutes to play, Nebraska goes for it. What do you think about that? What do you make of that? I think uh, I think that decision is fine. Um, you down, So you're down, you're down, how much are you down here? You're down um, 13. 13. So what good does a field goal really do you here? You still need to score twice. Um, and they've got to be, you know, you have to have a touchdown in there somewhere. So you need two touchdowns before that play. You need at least, a, you need a touchdown and change after that play if you take the field goal and make it. I mean, I know Pickering is back and he's a lot better than how, what their kicking situation was at the beginning of the year. But, but they already missed one. Yeah, maybe they're still thinking about that. And that's, you know, as we'll get to in the Minnesota-Iowa game, there's a little bit of game theory that we could talk about there as well. Uh, all right, so let's, to, to keep this moving then, anything else on Nebraska-Wisconsin? Yeah, they gained nearly 500 yards, but, man, the empty possessions are just, just a killer. I, we, I guess I wasn't completely wrong to say that they had a better chance than everyone expected, but they, they, they sure didn't do enough with it. No, and, you know, long term, there's probably still plenty of reason for optimism here. I mean, Wandale Robinson is the guy who gets all the credit, but Dedrick Mills was great against the Wisconsin defense that normally stops the run pretty effectively. Yeah, if, if they ever figure out how to corral the turnovers and keep this offense safe while maintaining this explosiveness, they're really going to have something going. But, boy, you know, it, there just there aren't a whole lot of signs of that kind of crispness showing up. It About all you can say is once all, their, once all these guys they are playing big snaps now are upperclassmen, you expect that that will improve. So, Well, apparently I-80 is the highway to the danger zone. So, speaking of which, Penn State 34, Indiana 27. 
it's a bummer. And uh, the the dream of nine Windiana will ne- will never be will never truly be dead as long as it lives on in our hearts. I understand in a way how Tom Allen makes the decision with that fake punt to go for it. But was it a fake punt? Yeah. I think it was. I mean, if not, then it was just the most spectacular fuck up I've ever seen. No, I think it was a design fake. It was tre- everyone. It, it was treated universally as a design fake. Did, I thought it was a fake. Did Peyton Hendershot know that it was a fake? Who knows? <laughs> Look, something clearly did not go how it was supposed to. Uh, I. Well, that's the thing. The fact that I'm asking this question should <laughs> should tell you exactly how problem. it went. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Boy, yeah. That was a mistake they really couldn't afford because Penn State took and scored a touchdown with it that and look, we them a big cushion. I think in a lot of cases we tend to be a little bit pessimistic about Penn State. And I don't think that's totally unjustified because honestly, with the talent level they have, they should be every year, Penn State, Ohio State should be a de facto playoff elimination game, a big Ken East title game. It should be that every year because Penn State is the only team in the conference that has the talent to look Ohio State in the eye. Uh, and most of the time, they manage to... Outside of Michigan. They manage to face... Well, no, not really. Not yet. They're getting there, but Michigan's not... No, not yet. Um, most of the time, Penn State finds a way to screw it up for themselves in other games so that that's not the case. Penn State has looked pretty human over the last couple of weeks. They have, but... But... We comment nearly every week on how their offense is so dependent on the explosive play, which is great when it works, but if you don't get them, your offense turns into a whole lot of nothing if you're not efficient down to down. They had a drive in the fourth quarter that, for one thing, kind of reminded us that this actually is the Big Ten team. Um, nine, they had an 18-play, nine-minute yeah, nine, drive. Nine minutes and some. They ran out, they ran out uh, 60% of the fourth quarter on that one drive. Yeah, and it was it was a backbreaker. Um but it, this still has to be some... So, all right, from, we'll finish the Penn State perspective first. Hey, you, you've got your game next yep, week. here it is. You're alive. This game here next week is for the division. If you want to prove that, that James Franklin is that good, that he's better than a recruiter... Then win this game. Win this game. Because, yep. again, this is, this is a first-year head coach. Ohio State is a 19-point favorite against a top-10 team. Yeah, which... I don't. I mean, I don't know what that. I guess that's got to say more about Ohio State because, first of all, I'm thinking if Ohio State's had a smaller line than that this season, wasn't the Michigan State line like 14 or something, like something comically small? Yeah, it was, I mean that was, was before hilarious. that was before Michigan State went to pieces. But it, this might be the smallest or second smallest line of Ohio State's season. You know, I think Wisconsin was like 16 or so. Where was that game? Was that Columbus or? Calgary? That was at Columbus. But that was also before, that was I think Wisconsin was undefeated at that. No, time. Wisconsin, Wisconsin had just lost to Illinois. Oh wait! But it was it was yeah. kind of seen as like oh no they're still they're still good they just they did were just looking really ahead to this yes, game sure. exactly exactly. Yeah, You've activated so. my trap card. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> uh, underrated TV show. If only if, I mean I had, I never played the game. I had no idea what was going on most of the time. But the uh, the borderline soap opera voice acting in that was. Truly underrated. But anyway, um, 
I think we just lost. I mean, what do you think our demographics are? Do we have any listeners over the age of like thirty-five? Well, I, I I feel like the amount of Dragon Ball Z references that we've dropped here uh, should scare away. And I mean, <laughs> like anybody that's not turned off by the amount of Dragon Ball Z references that we make are not going to leave because of a single Yu-Gi-Oh reference. I didn't even watch that show, by the way. I mean, I saw just enough of it to, to kind of understand that it was right. an impossibly dramatic show about yeah, yeah, yeah. what's ultimately a card game. Yes. And it's like, <laughs> it's a card game in real life, but it's also in the show, it's also just a card game. <laughs> <laughs> Albeit with like some weird, like science magical stuff woven in. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I wonder if there's any way we can get Ancient out. Egyptians loved this children's trading card game, by the way. <laughs> Uh, this is documented fact. Anyway, Indiana, what they did was unusual because they didn't they they had a very high success rate, but didn't have explosive plays. But yeah. they mostly did it by passing the ball non-explosively, which, huh? Yeah, it's um, in, inconsistent with their usual approach, but it worked well enough. I mean, it. This to me is another piece of evidence that Indiana really is on the right track, even in a loss, because as again God they gotta be sitting here in this no this is different this is actually I know it is and they know it is it's just oh man until it actually happens yeah well so alright until it actually happens it being what them winning the Big Ten East or something like it to me is they've already done it it's it's having it's it's not needing to beat Purdue to get bowl eligibility but so you say winning a game like this so that means knocking off one of I guess you could still say the big four. I'm pretty sure Indiana's going to beat the shit out of Michigan State next year. Um, you're saying beating a conference heavyweight um, is, is what, like the Outback Bowl, the ultimate goal here? Not the ultimate goal, but the, the, marker, the marker of the breakthrough season for Indiana. I guess you can make that argument. Um, I do think this team feels different. It does. And... We may have had thoughts like that during Kevin Wilson's tenure, for example, because of how dynamic the offense was. But it just, like, they were never a complete team under This him. is a very complete They team. are a complete team they, now. They, um, I mean, Penn State was able to shut down the running game, and that didn't slow Indiana down. No, yeah. they. I mean, With their backup quarterback, too. Right. And that's, I mean, again... Again, yes, we keep, we keep saying this every time, that Peyton Ramsey is... It probably would start for most of the Big Ten, but but I can't stress this enough. That wasn't even their starter. Yeah, <laughs> their talented, their most talented quarterback is out for the year. Yeah, he's certainly the best backup quarterback in the country, in my opinion. And again, it's since he's not a starter, it's not even fair to call him that. Non-Alabama anymore. division, I guess. I don't know. I take him over Mac Jones. What has Mac Jones <laughs> shown you that would take make you take him over Peyton Ramsey? Well, I guess not if they had to play with the same supporting cast. Oh God, you give, you give Ramsey, Jerry, Judy, and yeah. and uh, and Devontae Smith, and, and all just, those, I mean, just have Jalen Waddle buried on that depth chart. Yeah, he hasn't played. Like I haven't heard the name Jalen Waddle this year because he didn't play. Like give him a Najee Harris. Like Stevie Scott's fine, but. He's not Najee Harris. <laughs> Trey Sanders has missed the whole year. Yeah. And they, <laughs> it's like a top 10 recruit in the country. Yeah, I remembered him now because you mentioned his name. So it's just, uh, anyway, uh, this is we do get distracted occasionally and just start talking about the tide. But, yeah, it, are you tired of this? Stop eating those pods. <laughs> if you're tired of 
hearing this refrain if you're Indiana, sure. But if you can't see that there's something different here, then I think you're letting your past pain kind of clog your vision a little bit. Just my opinion as an outsider. So, are you are you saying that they, that the problem is that they have too many body thetans and that maybe they need to reach a higher operating thetan clear level in order to have the the, the bad memories of all the space ghosts in their brain not be clouding their, their judgment as much. You know the Temple of Scientology is in my building? <laughs> really? Yeah, they moved in like last, last no, like not this past summer, but last year. Um, I don't interact with them because, you know, cult. But, uh... <laughs> uh, well, perhaps you should just go in wearing a jacket that just says on the back of it, Hail Xenu! <laughs> Um, yeah, apropos of nothing. So. Speaking of cults, Iowa 23, Minnesota 19. <clears throat> um, uh, clown fraud trash or clown trash fraud? Minnesota Cult of personality. The Big Ten West. How dare you say that about Dear Leader? <laughs> Sorry, R2 didn't mean to scare you. Um, look, <laughs> is is this at all dispositive about Minnesota's quality or lack thereof? No. It's a classic letdown game. After scoring your first and only big win of the season to this point at home, you then go on the road to a solid, if not spectacular, team in a very difficult place to play. And... Uh, you lose. You fall behind 13-0, which against Iowa might as well be 30 to nothing because they play pretty good defense. That I like that you said, say a solid but not spectacular team. You could just say Iowa. I mean... <laughs> and, people, and people know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like, you can use Iowa to mean, like, any team that's just going to end up with between eight and nine wins. Or you can just use it to mean just literally Iowa. But it means the same thing. It's shorthand for that team that wins about two-thirds of its games. Yeah. And if you're an Iowa fan, are you playing up the string on this season a little bit? Yeah, you are. But you have to be encouraged from the results of this game for a few reasons, which have nothing to do with, I mean, obviously, tremendously satisfying to get the best trophy in college football. Do you, you disagree? Would you agree with that? I think we have this conversation every year about Floyd and Rosedale. That's a pretty good one. Do you have a better one? I mean, the Axe is an obvious competitor. But do you have a better one off the top of your head? Off the top of my head, I guess I don't. Kaga Nails is pretty kick-ass, but they never yeah, play, the they, Kaga, they never the play they never play great. the game anymore. Uh, and I would put Old Brassy up there, but that's just a sentimental favorite of mine because I mean, was it even played for at a time when chewing tobacco outside was acceptable? I don't know. <laughs> I like that damn turtle. I think it's really funny that we play for Maryland's mascot now. <laughs> it is kind of just a tiny version of their mascot, isn't it? Because yeah. the actual Testudo apparently is huge, like four feet or something. Like a, it's a big, like a <laughs> giant turtle, basically. So I'm still sorry that we lost the actual turtle. <laughs> and we well, lost an actual turtle one time. Yeah, but look, it, you know. How long was the turtle going to live anyway? I mean, it's not, a, a, long, it's not a tortoise. It's a there's turtle. There's a rich history of unfortunate things happening to animals in college football, but I'm really glad that we're moving past it finally with all the retiring of 
animal mascots. Uh, yeah. It makes me pretty happy because the more I've more perspective I have on on how animals actually are, you know, yeah. the, the, the the less I'm able to enjoy seeing a mascot on the sideline of a college football game. Right, and as as much as I love seeing a, a good doggo on a commercial transition. I think about how anxious this dog is, and he's not even full-blooded husky. And then I think about, you know, like, Washington or Northern Illinois. I don't even know how many of those schools actually use a live dog anymore. They're like, Argo, where it's like, this creature clearly does not want to be alive. Like, look at it. Um, uh, Northern Illinois, if I'm not mistaken, their guy, um, they did not replace Diesel. Rest I think it was. Rest in peace, Diesel. And then isn't Blaze the Washington? Is that? Wait a minute, wait a minute. We, they had a husky last year. We were at the yeah, back. I saw it. Huh. No, no. I'm thinking of Washington then. They they didn't yeah. replace their Yes. Husky. Oh. Yeah. Um very anxious is the husky. Yeah. So anyway. What were we talking about? Oh yeah, Minnesota Isles. <laughs> oh yeah, Minnesota. Uh there was much ado made about PJ Flex sprinting onto the field after Morgan took a big hit, which ended up being a concussion. I don't care. I actually don't care. Talk about it if you want, Minnesota fans. We know you're going to talk. Just talk about it. Talk about how the West is still in your hands, which it still is. The Axe game is now a division title game. We Hey, you know, next two weeks, we're going to have an East division title game and then the West division title game. It's pretty great, honestly. Illinois versus Northwestern? Yes. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's exactly what I mean. That'll be the clincher. Right. So... <clears throat> It's still in play. <laughs> I'm going to save it. But anyway, so what I know about that interaction with PJ Fleck running onto the field is that one of two things happened, okay? Either PJ Fleck acted like a complete clown and single-handedly in that one moment caused his team to win by doing something very stupid that was all about himself, or he did... The absolute most correct and proper thing that any football coach has ever done. In fact, something so virtuous that you didn't even think of it at the time. So saith the Twitterverse. There, there is no in between. There are no other explanations for what happened. Yeah, I, uh, I don't care about that. It was not it. As he pointed out correctly, because of the injury, there was going to be a timeout then anyway, and he would have been it. So whatever. This is his shtick. This is his brand. This is his. 100% on all the time thing. It's not for me, but it's working pretty damn well for him. Um, I'm, oh. I'm Mr. Row the Boats. Look at me. <laughs> <laughs> now we got to Photoshop him onto a me seek. Um, <laughs> what I was saying earlier, though, about Iowa feeling good about the distant, about the intermediate to distant future is their two best players in this game, in my opinion, at least on the offensive side, Tyler Goodson, true freshman. And Tyrone Tracy, a uh, retro freshman receiver. If they find a decent quarterback next year, this offense should be so much better. Um, they're going to have to retool on the offensive line. That's been a problem for them this year anyway. They may have a little addition by subtraction. If they can hang on to either Jackson or Wirfs, they're going to be a lot better next year, I think, at least offensively. With the caveat that their play calling has to not hold them back anymore. So... Eh, maybe I gotta walk this back. Like I didn't even get to the end of this sentence before I remembered. Oh yeah, the Ferences are in charge of this offense, so it's gonna be as minimalist as possible. It's gonna remain this Soviet architecture. I'll tell you how Iowa is gonna be next year. 
They're going to win eight and a half games. <laughs> the over-under, eight and a half. Yes, yes. Very reliably so. Um, AJ Epinesa was great in this game. Offensively for Minnesota, it's, again, all about the receivers because the running game here was... This is, this is the one the, the example so far where the inefficiency of the Minnesota rushing game was enough to become a problem. Against Penn State, they did not run for high yardage, but they ran efficiently enough. As we discussed last week, they established a run with a purpose. This week, they did not establish the run and did not have a purpose. Because honestly, outside of Tanner Morgan's car- seven carries, which went for minus 23, without having a complete breakdown in front of me, I'm assuming several of those are sacks. They only ran the ball 20-something times, but they also only threw... Well, 36 passes, actually. So, so I, I mean, but Iowa did limit their place. Yeah. Yeah, and that's this is the first time I would wager all season, probably in the Fleck era, where they've thrown more times than they've run it. And it's not like the passing was totally inefficient. I mean, they're still going for about 10 yards per attempt. But it, it felt like they were playing a little bit out of character for large portions of the game because of it. Well, I mean, they got down 20 to 3. Yeah, and so at a certain point, you have to go to the air, but I think their play calling was less of a problem, because there was still plenty of time when they got down 23. There was still plenty of time. I think the, I mean, and this is a little bit of, you know, hindsight being 2020, Monday morning quarterbacking, whatever you want to call it, but in the first half, um, Fleck attempts two field goals. If I remember correctly, I think they split them, or maybe they made both of them. Let me check here and make sure. No, they missed the first one and then made the second one. And those were both the culmination of 12 play drives. Mm. Those drives feel a lot different if they end in touchdowns. Yeah. And especially the first one, if you go, because Iowa missed the extra point on their first touchdown, if you go for it and you don't get it, you're deep enough in their territory that, honestly, you're probably okay with that. And, you know, it, this is, I'm not just saying this because of the missed field goal. I'm saying this because this is like the stakes are high here. You've got to feel the game environment with the pace that both teams are playing at. You're not going to have a whole lot of opportunities here. And sure enough, the entire game, 18 possessions. So this is a slow moving, low possession game. Your opponents already score a touchdown to open, uh, to open the game. And especially after Iowa scored a touchdown on their second drive. I mean, at that point, I don't think field goal should be in your in your mindset at all. Um, I really, really, really hate short field goals. So let me see just how short that field goal was. So let's see. Well, there was a 50-yard missed field goal. Um, and then... They made a field goal that was... Okay, I hate field goals of 25 yards or less in, like, basically any situations. I would say 30 yards or less, even. I mean, if you're that close, even if it's, like, fourth and goal from the 12 or something, you ain't ain't got a fade, like, you ain't got a tight end you can post up. Again, this is easy to say because we know the results of the game. If you make a different decision during the flow of the game, I guess that's defensible as well. But I'll always take a stand against field goals of less than 25 yards. Yeah. Or 25 yards less. All right. So that does it for the conference. 
I, believe it or not, didn't actually feel like watching a whole lot of football this past weekend, so I didn't watch a whole lot of stuff outside of the Big Ten. What did, what caught your eye? Well, for the second straight week, a team that I like trailed 28-3 to early in the second quarter. Now, during these bye weeks or times when I'm too disgruntled about Illinois football to, to absorb any more losing, I kind of like to moonlight and dabble in Oklahoma fandom. A little known fact. Pretty well known fact. Uh... Sooners committed some early turnovers, but got on the board near the end of the first half. Baylor's drive chart after taking a 31-10 halftime lead over Oklahoma is pretty fun. Because, like, the reversal of fortune, like, the 28-3 Illinois-Michigan State thing seemed was a lot more gradual than this. I mean, this was just a stunning and sudden reversal yeah. of fortunes boom, where boom, boom, boom. all yeah, of right. a sudden, yeah, it was some 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 monsters and stuff going down. It was like a Rube Goldberg machine where every little device was a touchdown. <laughs> it just kept like one after another after another. Yeah, it's like touchdowns connected to three and outs and everything. Yeah, it's, Oklahoma didn't have C.D. Lamb. Um, did not seem to slow them down. I'm looking for this drive chart. Um, Jalen Hurts did everything, running for over 100 yards, passing for nearly 300 yards. Uh, it's it's ridiculous that, I mean... Is he licking you right now? Yes, he is. Okay. As much as I love Joe Burrow, it seems a little unfair that he's the prohibitive favorite for the Heisman. It should at least be close. Well, <laughs> I give it to Joe Burrow just because you can't give it to Oklahoma three years in a row. Why not? I don't if he's know. the best player, why not? Um, I mean, just, I mean, just not he's say, done so much yeah, on himself. It's not to say that Burrow is undeserving. May, I mean, maybe it is fair to say, like, if Hurts went down, what would Oklahoma's situation be? I think you could probably say something similar about Burrow, but yeah. it feels like the whole he's the prohibitive favorite thing is because LSU would be in the field if the playoff were tomorrow and Oklahoma wouldn't. Yeah. Which, again, that's nothing new for the Heisman. Like, it's been that way certainly since the BCS began. Um, if you're not right there in the national championship picture, you're just not going to get looked at. So... 31 to 10 Baylor. Oklahoma scores. And then the drive is fumble, one play. Then three and out. Then three and out. Then three and out. Then interception. <laughs> and then uh, that was the end of the game. <laughs> those, were, those were Baylor's drive after drives after taking a 31 to 10 lead. Fumble, three and out, three and out, three and out, interception. <laughs> uh Mizzou auditioned for the Big Ten, trailing 6-3 to three to Florida at the half. Uh, but I guess they looked inept against Florida, which is part of being in the Big Ten? Yeah, I mean, the only, only thing that's going to limit their score a little bit on this performance is that this wasn't in the Citrus Bowl. So, uh, <laughs> other than that, yeah, looking like ass against Florida is kind of a, I mean, not just a Big Ten tradition, but like a mid to upper tier Big Ten tradition. Yeah. You're coming in, you're finishing a solid third in the Big Ten East most likely. Um, people are talking about your coach getting poached by the NFL even though there's no reason to believe that's ever going to happen. Um, yeah, why not? And then, and then you get humiliated by Florida. Your logo's a big goofy M? Like, yeah, why not? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, looking, looking around elsewhere... Pac-12's got to be the most interesting conference on paper. Remember after like week two or three, we were like, well, Pac-12's out of the playoff, and now they've got Oregon and Utah both with one loss. 
presumably heading for a title game collision. If one of those teams wins out and goes, has one loss, wins the conference, do you, do they really leave the Pac-12 out? And if that's the case, does the Pac-12 see any long-term future for themselves in this structure? Well, the thing the, the thing that I like about the Pac-12's chances is that both of the teams had their losses early. And see, you want to lose early if you're going to lose. For whatever reason, the recency of your... The, the, the more recent your loss is, the worse it is. Yeah, no matter who it is, too. I mean, <laughs> right. It, it's really just the, it's the best example of recency bias I can come up with, which is... It that. literally is textbook definition of recency bias. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's just trying to get some leverage on, on me with this tug of war, but somebody doesn't burn. realize that they cannot get any traction on here. And they're just spinning their tires, bouncing off the rev limiter. This is, uh, yeah, this is trying to pass in that pinstripe bowl Iowa played in a couple of years ago. So, um, uh, Meanwhile, it, Oregon State is one win away from a bowl game. Who knew? Who cared? I mean, it's, <laughs> hey, good, for, good for that. It's good to see the rise of the proletariat. Yeah. Illinois is bowl eligible. <laughs> Indiana is bowl eligible. Uh, Kansas won a Power 5 game and a conference game. Um, Rutgers. And uh, Oregon State <laughs> has... Five wins. <laughs> Rutgers. Fire their coach? Yeah. <laughs> um, George Byrne was shitty, but Georgia has clinched the SEC East. Yeah, good for them. Um, they've got to beat LSU now to go to the... I mean, look, I don't think two lost Georgia gets any consideration. So the question now really is... If Georgia, if Georgia beats, I mean, if everything else holds, it, so Alabama wins out, LSU wins out, LSU goes to the SEC title game. If Georgia beats LSU, is the argument then to put in two one-loss SEC teams, neither of which won the conference? We will hear that argument. That's going to happen. You got to put wait, LSU wait, wait. in because they only but lost then one game. You also have to put Georgia in because <laughs> they would have beaten they would have beaten Auburn, beaten LSU, didn't play Alabama. So. Yeah, and they'd be the SEC champions. So you have to put in you Alabama, put three SEC LSU, teams in. and Georgia, and then what do you do? And Clemson, Wait. and then Clemson. Well, <laughs> wait a minute. Look, look who's been higher ranked in the polls. So then Ohio State, and then they they leave out undefeated defending national champion Clemson. <laughs> This is the kind of conversation that I want to hear from the talking heads on ESPN, but they Somebody's don't give do it to it. Well, Feinbaum's going to do it. I mean, we know this somebody. What are you talking about? Um, I have a question. If you put those three SEC teams in, why not throw Auburn in there? <laughs> like, you're going to commit to the bit that hard. Why not just be like, yeah, wild card, Auburn. Cut the brakes. Bitch. Auburn is nothing if not the wild card. Auburn is the Charlie of the SEC. Yeah, that's very true. I've been watching a lot of Sunny lately. Some of the more recent seasons get, like, it's profound and, like, a, there's some, it gets really emotional in a couple places. Just like, just like Auburn somehow sneaking their way into the playoff field. I mostly just, you know what? I'm at the point where I really do just want to watch the world burn, all right? So, yeah, give me a four-team SEC field with, like, an undefeated Ohio State and an undefeated Clemson and a couple of one-loss Pac-12 teams and a one-loss Oklahoma. Like, give me give me all of this. Let me watch, I, you know what? Let me watch what happens. I'm fine with leaving Oklahoma out. But what I'm not fine with is if they look similar at the end of the year, leaving Oklahoma out and putting Alabama in. 
because damn it, you got to put in both or neither. <laughs> yeah. If Alabama is a one-loss non-champion, god damn it, Jalen Hurts gets to, gets one more shot at him. Or gets one shot at him. Well, but I mean, they're not putting both of them in, and if they do, they won't be playing each other unless it's in the final cuz they'll be 3-4 most That's likely. True. So, all right. Well, anyway, I don't know why we're talking about this cuz neither of our teams are going I have to imagine Ohio State fans are not a plurality of our listenership, so most of your teams aren't going either. Filthy casuals. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, there were other entertaining results, though. The thing is, there is life outside of the playoff. And, oh boy, did our good friends in the MAC come up big with the weeknight action this yeah, week. Yeah, the MAC this week was nothing short of lit. Peak MAC-tion. So... Miami of Ohio ethered Bowling Green to clinch the MAC East Division. Did you think this was even remotely plausible coming into the season? Go Red Wax! Oh, Red yeah. Wax. <laughs> uh, hold on. When they had... Was the MAC title game a thing when they had Ben Roethlisberger? Did they have a championship game? Uh, so that's like, what, 2001, 2002? 2003, I think. I don't think so. All right. Mac championship game history. Because, yeah, that this is... Miami of Ohio has been very dead for a long-ass time. Yeah. Yeah, well, sh- I mean, like, how good were they even with Roethlisberger? Like- <laughs> okay, well then, actually, I was wrong here because not only was there, in fact a championship game then but they in fact also won the 2010 MAC title game over the Northern Illinois Huskies wait a second Miami Miami Redhawks um 10 and 4 under Michael Haywood with he's that guy who went to pit for like a minute wasn't he um. Yeah, he was what? one of that burst of pit coaches where they had like five yes. in a week. On December sixteenth, twenty ten, Haywood was offered and accepted the head football coaching position at the University of Pittsburgh. However, Haywood was arrested in South Bend, Indiana, on December thirty fifth. That's right. Okay, on some felony domestic violence charges and oh, fired wow. by Pitt. And he felt he was never heard from again, I don't think. I, he, I don't think he's ever He ended again. up, nope, he was actually the Texas Southern head coach. God damn and, it, I was really hoping he was just never heard from again. <laughs> and uh, let's see, he resigned after posting an 8-25 and record, so at least he sucked on the other side. <laughs> sucked enough that he quit. He didn't even let them fire him, which is weird. Usually, if you're that bad, get you that buyout, man. You never get another job again after this. That was, my goodness, what a weird tangent that was. I, I completely forgot about that Miami of Ohio game. But anyway, but anyway, yeah. So, I mean, we've got, we've got Western Michigan up 10 points over Ohio at halftime, then 31 points in the fourth quarter scored, and then Western Michigan wins in overtime to stay in the lead uh, in the West. Northern Illinois blowing a three touchdown lead and then winning anyway with a last second field goal. Buffalo with a three-score lead in the fourth quarter with 11 minutes to go. A 99.7% chance of winning. And they blow it to Kansas State. They blew a 27-6 lead. My goodness. Maction. What else can you say but Maction? I, 
both Em and Wildcat and I turned this game off because we didn't think there was any hope of this being in remotely interesting. Little did you know, we're getting press credentials one of these years for the Mac title game. Um, honestly, we we should, and I say this with no hint of irony, we should pursue that this year, and I bet we could do it. Um, hey, like, do you want to come? Cool. I mean, okay, I mean, yes, yes, please. Um, f- complete this paperwork, and we'll allow you to attend. And here's um, the very professional press box. We'll show you to this, and you see the buffet. This is a very, very big scale and important and professional event that we're doing here. So thank you for coming. Oh. What's your publication again? They said this was a professional event. <laughs> well, why don't they pay the players some more? No! <laughs> to be clear, if we get credentials to the MAC title game, we are absolutely going at Statler and Waldorf. Um, the best MAC game of the week, though, we didn't even get to because Ball State built a huge lead on the back of a right tackle receiving touchdown. Uh, where he tucked that thing high and tight with nobody oh, around God, him. Fantastic. Well, I mean, like, honestly. Isn't that the only thing on your mind if you're alive yeah. with a ball? Don't fumble. Don't fumble. Nobody even touches him. Yeah. But Central <laughs> Michigan managed to blast past them. So Central Michigan, now both Western and Central, have only two division losses. Central's got, uh, let's see, what? Each of them have, uh, yeah, each of them have one game to play left. Yeah, and the question no, 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 is... No, 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 wait. Does, well, they had the mid-game, the mid-week games, right? So they're off yeah. this week. Um, <laughs> the question for Central Michigan, of course, is how fast and how frantically does Jim McElwain flip this into his next job? But look, that's... that's <laughs> and why honestly, is it Michigan State? Don't even joke about that, dude. No, he's, not, <laughs> he's not staying up here, dude. I mean, for a career Southerner, this winter will have been enough for him. I don't know. Sure. It feels like he's already jumped the shark. <laughs> Akron still sucks. Akron is the last winless team. New Mexico State beat Incarnate Word. And Rice won a conference game! <laughs> I'm so happy! Oh man, Archie was very concerned by that noise. It was a, it was a concerning noise, if we're being Dick honest. Dick Trip of the Week is Baylor eligible? No, because it's, it's Oklahoma was ranked, what, ninth? Yes, but... Isn't Oklahoma ranked higher than that? <laughs> no, they I don't are, think they're eligible. They also had a 25-point lead, so I guess we can say this. It seems like, once again, our contenders are coming from the Big 12, where things are pretty interesting. Texas lost to Iowa State. Every time they get ranked, this shit happens, so rank them, cowards. But I think we've got to give it to K-State, yeah, who uh, lost to 3-6 and six West Virginia at home. Which, hey, you know, in year one of Chris Kleeman, you're now eligible for two Dick Trip of the Week awards. That's You're coming up in the world. Yeah. <laughs> you know who's the most pissed about that? Oklahoma, whose loss to K-State is not aging well. Your source for Big Ten Talk, it's off-tackle empire!